Thank you for joining us on the Overcoming Monday podcast, where we provide you with little secrets for your big breakthrough. This podcast is designed to enhance your emotional and spiritual health. Our mission is to help you understand yourself, the people you love, and the world around you so that you can win where it matters most. In each episode, we'll hear from writer, speaker, mom, and pastor's wife, Shari King, as she invites you into conversations about the issues that matter most to you. Now, let's get started. Hello, Overcoming Monday listeners. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 39 of Overcoming Monday. Today, the subject of this podcast is pushing the limits of your faith. And we are going to be talking about Ruth again. This is season eight, and we're doing a series on the book of Ruth. And my friend Shauna Asbell is in the studio with me again today. Yeah, glad to join you again. Yeah, so Shauna was, um, if you haven't listened to the last episode, episode 39, Shauna told her story, and we talked about Ruth's courage in asking Boaz to work the land and then also actually proposing to him and how scary that was for her. And today we're going to be talking about pushing the limits of your faith and a little bit more about Boaz and how he pushed the limits, how he did what was above and beyond what was asked. So I love this subject so much. I'm so excited about this book. You've loved it. I've loved it. So great. Yeah. So we're going to start today off by basically reviewing part of the story again. So I'm going to read scripture from Ruth 3, 1 through 18. So this is after Ruth has brought home a bunch of barley, um, a bunch of like profit, Mm -hmm. basically. Blessing upon blessing. Yeah, from Boaz. Boaz has sent Ruth home with a ton of stuff for her mother-in-law. And she walks in the door and basically um, her mother-in-law is freaked out, says, he's been so kind to you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do some research on this guy and find out who he is. And when he fi- when Naomi finds out that Ruth is part of their family, she comes up with a plan to try to help save her and Ruth, and also to show kindness back to Ruth for right. what you know that hard work and the effort and the love that she is showing. Absolutely, because yeah. Ruth gave everything up for Naomi. Right. Naomi has woken up out of her bitterness, yeah. and she's like, "I'm going to step up and do something now." So good, I love it. So let's look at this scripture. Ruth three one through eighteen says. Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, shouldn't I find rest for you so that you will be taken care of? Now, isn't Boaz our relative? Haven't you been working with his female servants? This evening he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, um, put perfumed oil on, and wear your best clothes. Go down to the threshing floor, but don't let the man know that you are there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, notice the place where he's lying. Go and uncover his feet and lie down. Then he will explain to you what you should do. So Ruth said to her, I will do everything that you say. She went down to the threshing floor and she did everything her mother-in-law had charged her to do. After Boaz ate, drank, and was in good spirits, he went to lie down at the end of the pile of barley. And she came in secretly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. At midnight, Boaz was startled, turned over, and lying at his feet was a woman, exclamation mark. (laughs) So he asked, who are you? I am Ruth, your servant, she replied. Take me under your wing, for you are a family redeemer. Then he said, may the Lord bless you, my daughter. You have shown more kindness than before because you have not pursued younger men, whether rich or poor. 
Now, don't be afraid, my daughter. I will do whatever you say, since all the people in my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Yes, it is true that I'm a family redeemer, but there is a redeemer closer than I am. Stay here tonight and in the morning. If he wants to redeem you, that's good. Let him redeem you. But if he doesn't want to redeem you, as the Lord lives, I will. Now lie down until morning. So she lay down at his feet until morning, but got up while it was still dark. Then Boaz said, Don't let it be known that a woman came to the threshing floor. And he told Ruth, Bring the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. When she held it out, he shoveled six measures of barley into her shawl, Mm. and she went into the town. She went to her mother-in-law, Naomi, who asked her, What happened, my daughter? Then Ruth told her everything the man had done for her. She said, He gave me these six measures of barley because he said, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Naomi said, My daughter, wait until you find out how things go, for he won't rest until he resolves this today. So there are some things I think that don't translate into our culture from this story. Um, The first thing is what Ruth is actually asking of Boaz and what Naomi is asking. Right. So there's two actual laws in place here, and Ruth combines two of the laws, but Naomi only asks her to ask Boaz for one of them. So I'm going to explain it. The first one is Naomi says, go and basically ask him to marry you. But the way in which she asks Ruth to ask for, you know, to propose to Boaz, she's asking Boaz to basically marry Ruth in order to own the land that they have so that they can become part of the family and that they can be taken care of by him. Right. Right. Yeah. And and secure Ruth's future so that... um, you know, she is taken care of. Yeah, because Naomi knows she's probably going to die before Ruth, and she doesn't want to leave her alone, just like she's alone. That's right. Right? So she says, look, go ask him. This is like part of the law. Um, He's our relative. He can have the land, and then we just become part of his family. Yep. He brings us in. Right. It's his obligation. Yeah. So, but Ruth adds an addendum on, and she says, if I have a child. Right. Will you basically allow that child to become Naomi's? Right. So in doing that, she's saying, I'm basically going to take this heir away from you. Yes. And so I want you to help Naomi's family survive. Yes. And this was not something that Boaz necessarily had to do. In fact, that's why he said, there's someone closer to me in their family yeah. And so I need to go ask him what he wants to do. Yeah. But it was going to be a big significant financial investment because basically Boaz isn't building up his own family if he has a child with Ruth. By the way, at this point Ruth has been barren. She hasn't been able to have right. kids. Married for 10 years till her husband died and right. hasn't had a child. So she's kind of pushing the limits actually saying, yeah. if we have a child. Yeah. She's like believing That's major faith. Right. Yep. So she's saying if I have this child Will you also not take this child as your own, but will you give it to Naomi so that she has, their family line is extended? Yeah. So she's asking for a whole lot. She's kind of robbing him a little bit. And his other family members. Right. Yeah. He has other sons. We don't know. But if he does, then it's like splitting up all that they have too. Yeah. All of their inheritance. It's a big financial hit. Yep. So... Some scholars have said that they don't believe that Ruth knows what she's doing because she's a foreigner. And, I mean, we don't really know. Yeah. It could have been that she didn't know. But 
if I look at Ruth's character, I feel like she's always pushing the limits. Yes. You know? Well, and even Naomi, she's like, let me find out who this guy is. She did some homework. And mm-hmm. so I think that they probably did their homework. Mm-hmm. This doesn't seem like a fly by the seat of your pants question. Well, and she seems smart enough to be able to listen to Naomi and to follow instructions. She said, I will do exactly if you, as you have said. Yes. And then she goes and she asks for more. And a little more. <laughs> yes. So I think that she saw that Boaz was a good man. Absolutely. And she wanted to see if he would be as kind to Naomi as she had been. Yeah. And as kind to Naomi as Boaz had been to her. You yeah. Know? So much favor had already been poured out. Yeah. So what happens is Boaz goes to, you know, the city council. Basically, they sit down. He offers this proposition to the nearer relative. And he's like, do you want the land? And he's like, yeah, I'll take the land. Right. Because it means that he is gaining wealth. Right. And then Boaz said... Oh, but if you do this, you also get Naomi and Ruth and whatever children that you have will be theirs and it will propagate their family. And the guy's like, ooh, can't do that. Right. Too much. (laughs) Too far. I can't make that investment. So it's not necessarily this is a bad guy. It's just that he's saying, according to the letter of the law, I don't have to do this. Right. So I'm not going to. I'm not going to put my wealth at risk or my family at risk. Or, you know, maybe he just, they had just come out of a famine. Maybe he just really couldn't take that hit. Yeah, we don't know, but um, like you said, he's not a bad guy. He just it wasn't in his, he in his power. He couldn't do it, right? At the so, time. but Boaz is like, okay, great, yep. I will. Here's my sandal, <laughs> which is so weird. We didn't read that part, but it's an exchange of a deal. That's how they used to do it. So then Boaz comes back, and that's how um, he and Ruth end up getting married. And kind of the story goes that they end up having a child which is crazy because Ruth had been barren. And when Ruth has the child, she gives it to Naomi. Which is crazy. Yes. So crazy. So we see so much uh, a three-way giving of all that they had, Mm -hmm. you know? Yep. So anyway, I hope that this has been (laughs) super enlightening for you. It has for me. And what I love about this story is that if you continue it on – Basically, this child that they have ends up being in the line of David, which ends up being in the line of Jesus. And so Boaz and Naomi and Ruth are all rewarded with being in the lineage of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Yeah, I don't, you know, as they're making these decisions, I think it's like us when we make decisions in life, we have no idea what the outcome is going to be. They had no clue, but they knew what they were called to do and showing kindness and they just did it. Yeah, they pushed the limits and it was worth the investment. Yep. So we're going to talk about that after the break. We're going to talk about pushing the limits and how that can end up being a beautiful investment and blessing and how the Lord just, I feel like, honors that. Yes. Our mission at Clayton King Ministries is to preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. And what better way to do that than to send servants across the globe to spread the gospel? Crossroads Missions exists to connect people locally, nationally, and globally to the broken and hurting to give them the hope of Jesus Christ. And you can join us on our next adventure. Whether it's teaching students English through Bible stories in Thailand, building a preschool for underprivileged kids in Guatemala, or creating relationships with the homeless population of Los Angeles, there is a way you can serve with Crossroads Missions. We set you up with a personalized fundraising page, give you all the resources and info you need to get ready, and develop community amongst the group before we even meet at the airport. 
Anyone above the age of 16 can join us on one of our scheduled trips, and we also do custom trips. Find out how you can serve with us in 2019 by going to gowithcrossroads.com. Also, if you're looking for more encouraging content, head over to shariking.com slash blog to find new articles each week from Shari. And if you've enjoyed this episode of Overcoming Monday, please share it with your friends. So Shauna, we've been engrossed in this story of Ruth and Boaz for a little bit. Yeah, such richness. Months for us, but hopefully our listeners have been listening to all these episodes. By the way, if you haven't, this is the fourth episode in a season of um, of podcasts about Naomi and Ruth and Boaz. There's one more in this. So if you haven't heard the other ones, just go back and listen and catch up to where we are. But um, we are currently on the threshing floor <laughs> where Ruth has gone to, found, to find Boaz. And in case people don't know what a threshing floor is, because I think we Maybe I'm just assuming that I didn't. They do. I didn't know <laughs> yeah. until we studied this. So basically, when owners or farm people, um, farm people, farmers <laughs> <laughs> gathered their crop, they would go to this place called the threshing floor, and so they would bring all the wheat, and they would do this thing called winnowing, and so they would um, bang it against the ground, throw it up in the air, and all this stuff that was basically chaff. So if you ever hear the word chaff in the Bible, that's the stuff that you don't need. It blows away in the wind. So Mm -hmm. you need the perfect conditions. It needs to be high enough for the wind to be there so that when you throw the grain up in the air, all the yucky, trashy stuff blows away, but all the heavy, good stuff, that's the wheat. It falls to the ground on the threshing floor. And so then you gather all of that and that's what you end up making into bread or whatever it is that, you know, oatmeal, (laughs) if that's what we're making today, but that's the good stuff. The good stuff stays. And that's what they've been doing. And when you do this, you have to take advantage of the weather. So they'll work all night. They'll work all day just in order to get the job done. Yeah. So Boaz and his workers have been there. They've been doing this. And instead of going home, they're staying there. Many people believe that they stayed there overnight in order to guard their, um, their product from being, robbed or stolen. Possibly they were working so hard and it was too hard, too long of a journey to go home. These are some of the reasons why they might still be there for the night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can just imagine, I mean, we have that here in South Carolina where there's in the watermelon season where people stay at the farms, Mm -hmm. you know, during the whole season because it's sun up to sundown, even longer than that, maybe. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of hard work. And so eat, drink, go to sleep, get up, do it again, Mm -hmm. you know? And so maybe if you're not on a farm, you're thinking about um, some project that you had to do for your boss and you're sleeping on the couch in your office because Mm -hmm. it's just not worth it going home. Yep. Um, So maybe that's you, whatever that situation is. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, Boaz is there and he's sleeping. He's worked hard. I mean, the times that I've worked outside, I used to do rock climbing, rafting and all that. When I got home and I ate a meal and I laid down, I was out. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, his belly's full. He's added some wine. He's, you know, he's, he's done. It's his resting time. Yep. And I think he's probably hard sleeping, you know, one of those good sleeps. Because he knows he has to work the next day. Right. So he's getting his sleep in to wake up early the next morning and get this thing done. Yeah. And um, Ruth comes in and... Some scholars believe that, um, in fact, I've been reading commentary by um, Hubbard. Uh, what's his first name? I'm forgetting right now. But anyway, Hubbard has a commentary specifically on Ruth, and you can read through that, and it's great. Mm-hmm. But um, there was this idea that when the um, when Ruth removes the 
sheet or whatever off of Boaz's feet that possibly his foot got cold in the night. He woke up, he looks down, he's like, what's going on? And he sees a woman. (laughs) Who is this? Yeah. What is happening? Why is she here? And so um, how do you think that Ruth was feeling in this moment, Shauna? Oh, man. I think that obviously she was a very brave woman, but I feel like she was probably really nervous because there, I mean, there are multiple things that could have happened here. Mm -hmm. It could have been like, okay, this is, you need to leave, you Mm -hmm. know, or brought her out and shamed her in front of everyone. Right. You're disgracing me. That's right. What are you doing here? But he didn't respond that way. But I mean, I can only imagine that she was just feeling nervous, maybe fearful. Um, I, I, I can only imagine the things that were racing through her mind, how this Mm -hmm. would go. Yeah. And she's, she's just trying to obey Naomi probably doesn't understand all these laws to be honest. Right. Um, but she's trusting her mother-in-law. She's trusting quote the system. Right. Um, and that hoping that Boaz will remember that she's a woman of noble character, that she's not trying to seduce him. Yeah. I mean, Mm -hmm. I would, I would think that she would, from the way Naomi spoke to her and, and instructed her on what to do. Maybe she had some education, but she mm-hmm. wasn't she wasn't brought up a Jew. Mm-hmm. You know, she didn't know all these ins and outs of the Jewish culture and the laws. So right. I mean, I imagine that Naomi instructed her a little bit of why she yeah. was doing what she was doing, but maybe not. Maybe she just was obedient. Yeah, I think she understood the law, but she hadn't lived in it. Right. If that makes any sense. So and sh- and hopefully Boaz is a good man. We hope. And what she's seen of him, he is. Right. Um, But in this kind of situation, I'm sure she's like, yeah, you know. And, you know, in other instances on the threshing floor, Mm -hmm. um, historically, that's that's a place if women are involved, it's not a. Well, there were other, you know. Cultures say that sometimes if it's, you know, if you don't have a godly man, they've worked all day and women would show up and offer themselves to the men. Right. Um, Hence the story of Tamar a little bit, you know. So anyway, that's a side note. But it is good to know that it could have been interpreted that way. Yeah, it could have been. Um, But I think that Boaz looks down. He knows she's a woman of noble character. He's probably married too, and he doesn't want to shame his reputation. So he looks at her and he's like, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to protect me. You're not here tonight. (laughs) Right. So let's stay here. I don't want you going home in the dark it's dangerous. Yeah. So stay here with me. But in the morning, I want you to get up. And he gives her a lot of food to take back home. You yeah. Know? So that's kind of the situation that we're looking at. Um, Ruth is pushing the envelope when she's asking this question. Um, so that's the next thing is pushing the envelope of this question mm-hmm. was huge. So um, we've talked about it a little bit. But in the past, um, they basically just... Um, gave, you know, made an exchange for land. She's asking him to actually produce an heir and an offspring. So she's asking him to take a huge financial cut. And this is what I think is so important in this book that we don't understand. I think sometimes when we look in the Old Testament, we think it's just about the law. It's just about the law. There's no spirit of the law. There's no grace. There's no anything. But when you look at this, Boaz is a prime example of the fact that He's going to do the right thing. He's going to do a godly thing that goes above the letter of the law. And so we see that God does care about that, the spirit of the law. You know, Jesus wasn't the first one to specifically introduce, you know, if you just look at a woman lustfully, then you've committed adultery. Right. This is being introduced in this right here. Like, if you don't actually take care of these women as God would, like, that may not be the best thing to say no. 
Yeah. So what is, what is the motivation? You Mm -hmm. know, why are you doing, why are you making the choices that you're making? Mm -hmm. You know, why is she asking the questions that she's asking? I think Mm -hmm. understanding that is huge. What is motivating them to make the decisions that they're making? Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of times we we just ask ourselves what's right and wrong. Yes. What's right and wrong. And then we get in this box of right and wrong. But I think if we can open our perspective to what would the spirit be leading me to do right now? Yeah. If we can open ourselves to what the Spirit is leading us to do, I think then the Spirit is going to lead us to push the limits of our faith. Yes. And when we push the limits of our faith, we'll see God do bigger things than we thought. Yeah. I think scripturally over and over and over, that that is proven to be true. Yeah. You know, He doesn't ever, you know, ask people to do safe things, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this was not safe for Ruth and it wasn't safe for Boaz, honestly. Yeah. You know, he was um, going to lose all a lot mm-hmm. by making this decision. And she had the potential to, to be shamed and lose a lot. Yeah. She had the potential to get kicked out of the field where she'd been working yep. and for her reputation to be tarnished. Absolutely. Um, but that's not what happened. Nope. And if when you think about people in the Bible, I mean, you've got Moses and yep. God's like, go back to Pharaoh mm-hmm. where he fleed because yep. he had murdered someone. Go back, and I'm going to rescue the nation of Israel. That's right. And Moses is like, I'm just a man. I can't do this. And God's like, it's not about you. It's That's about right. me. So Moses does it. And look what he, I mean, the entire nation of Israel is rescued from yeah. Egypt. Or you've got Gideon threshing on, by the way, we talked about threshing floors. He's threshing in a wine cellar, which has no wind. Because he was scared. Because he was scared. <laughs> and the Lord says, look, I'm going to raise you up to be a yeah. mighty warrior. And yeah. he's like, not me. But then I'm he scared. does it, and the Lord the Lord creates a victory. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think we get scared about what we have to sacrifice. Yeah, I, I think we we don't see the end of the story. We don't see um, that at, from this proposal, from pushing this limit, that the lineage of Jesus will. Come, we don't see that, or mm-hmm. they didn't see that. You know, we see it obviously, but they didn't see it in that making um, this decision. That's ultimately what will happen. Right. So let's talk about some um, modern day examples that we have of heroes who we've seen push the limits. Um, one of mine, I, I I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast before, but and I don't know if you know this story, so it may be really funny. Um, when I was young, right when I came to know Jesus, I watched the movie The Hiding Place. Yeah. Have you ever seen that? I have. I don't... I have seen it, but I don't recall exactly what it's about. So The Hiding Place was set in World War II. Mm. Um, It was set when the Jews were basically brought into the Holocaust. And you have Corrie ten Boom. Mm. She is the, like, quote, star of the book, although I don't know that she would call herself the star. Right. Um, But all this to say, or, like, main character, I guess, not star. But anyway, she and her sister and her family are taken away to the concentration camps. Mm. And Corrie loses faith. Yeah. Kind of like Naomi. And she says, does God really exist? Mm-hmm. I don't see how he could let this happen. Yeah. Um, but but she's... So her sister, though, does believe in the Lord. Wow. Um, so they're Jews, but they also are Christians. Yes. So her sister lives out her faith really well in these concentration camps. She's loving people. She's loving the soldiers. She's loving her enemies. And Corey is getting mad and madder and madder until her sister dies. Wow. And then she starts, Corey starts blaming God for wow. her sister's death. And she experiences a transformation in this Holocaust camp where she realizes like her call to stretch her face, go faith, not her face, stretch her faith, push the limits 
and try to love her enemies and try to understand that they are also created by God, mm. even though they're doing evil things. Yeah. Um, and she does it. And she came out of this loving Jesus and having an incredible story. So if you haven't seen the movie or read the book, it's a great book to read. But I read this book when I was in eighth grade. Mm. So then I heard she was speaking at my church. Oh, come on. And what? I'm like, what? She's speaking at my church? I can't believe it. So I go because she's one of my heroes at this point. Yeah. And I'm sitting in a pew seeing her speak. Wow. I listened to her speak and I leave and my mom said, well, how, what did you think? And I said, I can't believe it. I'm crying. I wanted to meet her, but she just left and I'm like, I wanted to meet her. And my mom said, well, Shari, you know, that wasn't her. That was an actress. She's dead. Oh, <laughs> what? I know. It's <laughs> awful. That's a tragic ending. <laughs> such a great example though right but she pushed me in my faith yeah. in eighth grade because I think that when I read her story and many of the martyrs that I read mm -hmm. stories about in eighth grade I realized that um high school is not so hard oh man that's good you know what I'm that's saying that's so good um and so I think that one way that I try to stretch my faith faith <laughs> I keep saying face <laughs> maybe I need to stretch my face <laughs> One way that I stretch my faith is by reading people who have been through harder circumstances than I have. Absolutely. Uh, there are so, I mean, currently so many situations. I mean, the church in China, mm. you know, that there are so many stories that are relevant and current today mm. of people who have lived out this faith in hard, hard circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I think when we read those things and and hear those things, we're reminded, especially in America, like we can share our faith with our coworkers. Mm -hmm. We can do what God has called us to do. It is not beyond Him to complete the work. Mm -hmm. I've been thinking, you actually mentioned Christine Kane being yeah. a hero of yours. Will you just tell me some things that you love about her? Yeah. So Christine Kane, she started the A21 campaign and now she is like saving um, her and her um, people team. that work with her, her yeah. team, yeah, are going into these places where human trafficking is is rampant, mm -hmm. and they are going in and rescuing woman after woman mm -hmm. after woman, and just the bravery. She's she, I mean, she's Pushing one woman, mm -hmm. and she's like, God has called me to this, and so I'm going to go in. I'm going to talk to the government. I'm going to go do these things, and not that she probably doesn't feel fear. She just knows what the Lord has called her to do, and she is going after it, mm -hmm. and and changing lives and rescuing women. Mm -hmm. You know, and probably in a world where those women may not feel like God exists or sees them or cares about them. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so she has the calling on her life to go into those women, those women's lives and speak identity over them, pull them out mm -hmm. of very dark places and say, no, there's more for your life. You have a purpose. And, and I mean, if we've heard her preach, you right. know, she, she calls, she calls all of us out mm -hmm. by the word of the Lord and using that gift and, and pushing the limits of, I know I'm a woman, but mm -hmm. God has called me to do this and I'm going to do this. Yeah. You know, I think Ruth is a heroine of her day. I think Naomi is too. Absolutely. I mean, she, we want to um, give Naomi a little bit, gets more of a bad rap because she mm. says, I am Mara. I'm bitter now. God hates me. But this is what I think. 
how much courage did she have to even tell people? Yeah. I am kind of hating God right now. Uh, I'm bitter. How many people will actually say that? Yeah. How, isn't it scary to yeah. say, I think I hate God. Like to say that out loud yep. is huge. And, um, you know, a lot of people that I meet who are going through a hard, a hard circumstance, I suggest counseling. Yeah. But that's a hard step to take to admit what you're feeling inside is so huge. Yeah. And so I look at Naomi as a hero also because she actually says to Ruth, I'm not doing good. Yeah. You need to go back. You go find hope somewhere else. And Ruth says, no, I'm going to stand with you. And I think there's a reason for that. I think Naomi had poured into Ruth's life. Absolutely. Previously. Yeah. yeah. There's no doubt for her to be so willing to say, you know, I'm going to go where you go, where you mm-hmm. live. I will live. Your God will be my God. For her to say those emphatic, you know, statements, mm-hmm. there had there had to be relationship. Right. So the last person that I really thought about today was Harriet Tubman. Mm. Um, the fact that you have slaves brought from Africa. Mm. Um, they're not treated well. Right. Um, and at that time, probably, uh, I'm just trying to put myself in their shoes. So I hope that I don't say anything like wrong right here. But I'm guessing if I had been someone shipped over on a boat in such a cruel way and treated in such terrible conditions Mm -hmm. that I would want nothing to do with, quote, the white man's religion. Absolutely. But somehow Harriet Tubman loves the Lord and she decides she's going to rescue her people. Yep. And her view of God isn't tarnished by the way that white people Mm -hmm. are treating them. That's a miracle. Yeah. She has an ability, and I believe probably the Lord spoke to her. She had a relationship with him where he or she was able to separate humanity and God. Those two um, were very, had to be so separate in her mind that she knew the Lord was good in the midst of mm. the really ugly and bad. And he was the strength to get her through what it was that she was going through. And so yep. she was going to be the strength for others yeah. to get no matter the consequence. That's right. So she's saying to her own people, yep. I will rescue you even if it causes me death. Yeah. And I'm going to continue to worship God despite how my God is being distorted in yeah. this world. That's right. Absolutely. And I think that we see this in the, in Ruth's story. She's willing to go um, ask at the risk of, you know, her name being tarnished, mm-hmm. Boaz is willing to accept the the the, the question that she's mm-hmm. proposing and say, "Yes, I will. I will look on you with favor, and this mm-hmm. will happen, and I will make this, you know, happen." And so, I I think that um, that whole situation when when Boaz and when Ruth are in the threshing floor and all the questions and answers <laughs> are going on, you know, mm-hmm. they're saying. There's more to the story. There's yeah. more to this. Yep. More than a fairy tale romance. Yes. That sometimes it's presented. Yeah. It's and, a much harder stance mm-hmm. than that. You mm-hmm. know, I think even like Harriet Tubman, there's a much harder stance. The reason that she is worshiping God is not because of the white man's religion. Mm-hmm. You know, the reason she is worshiping God and and she's spreading that is because she has a relationship and she has an understanding that yeah. is greater than what is being displayed. She saw the truth in the gospel. Absolutely. Yep. So good. Well, Shauna, as usual, we're having these intense, awesome biblical discussions. Yes. And I am so excited that you are here for these past two podcasts. 
I'm thankful for your friendship and for your wisdom. And to all the listeners out there, I want to give you some resources for studying um, the book of Ruth. You can pick up Carolyn Custis James' book, The Gospel of Ruth. Also, Robert Hubbard has a commentary on Ruth. Now, it's definitely a commentary, but it's written in a way that you can understand. So if you want to get into some deep teaching and understand this culture, this is a great resource. Also, Kelly Mentor has a great study called The Living Room with the Ruth Ruth series, and I've done that as well. So if you guys are looking for some of those resources, I'll put those in the notes for my podcast so that you can find them. But I just want to thank Shauna for joining me on episode 39 of Overcoming Monday, where we provide little secrets for your big breakthrough. And in case you haven't heard, this podcast is a production of Clayton King Ministries. If you've benefited from this podcast, I'd absolutely love if you'd share this on your social media platform. And also, we benefit so much from your reviews on iTunes or Spotify. So if you take a minute and leave us a review, that would be wonderful. Thanks so much for your support. Our ministry hopes we've given you something to overcome your Monday. We're thankful you chose to listen to Overcoming Monday, a production of Clayton King Ministries. This podcast happens because of you. There are three ways you can help us reach even more people. Be sure to share us with your friends and follow Shari on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at ShariKing99. You can also make a tax-deductible donation to CKM, a 501c3 nonprofit ministry at ClaytonKing.com give. And of course, subscribe. And for more encouragement to move you forward in your faith, check out her blog at shariking.com. Thanks again for listening, and we hope we've given you something to help overcome this Monday.